If we divide Second Corinthians in two big parts, it will be from chapter one to chapter ten. Will be the part one. Will be part one. <laughs> and starting from chapter eleven to the rest uh, is is Paul addressing. The Church of Corinthians, after they have received the letter of tears, and because that church has repented and, and has reconciled their relationship with the Lord and Paul, uh, Paul is writing to them in a different tone. And so, even in chapter ten, you can see this difference in in the writings of Paul. He says it. He says he explains his 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 thoughts more directly. But uh, the the voice he uses in chapter ten is still very firm because there are still some people who have not uh, returned to Paul and returned to God's side. Some people think that Second Corinthians is uh, the unification of the is two letters that were written separately have, that have been put together afterwards. But I don't think that's true. I think it's one long letter and it's Paul addressing different groups of people uh, throughout the, this letter. Because he, over, there's, overall, there, he's, he uses the same kind of voice and tone throughout the whole letter. It's just that, uh, it's that, the, it's just that the, the, the people that he's addressing is different. And so the wording here, you can just tell that it's very stiff and, and, and hard. So I don't think it would be very difficult for you guys to understand this chapter. And Paul is talking about the same problems, same issues that were brought up beforehand, but he's just going in more detail in this book, in this chapter. So first of all, verses 1 through 2, Paul is speaking to those who are rebelling against him. And no matter what Paul says, uh, no matter what he says, it comes from his... his, his um, uh, he speaks through humility and gentleness. And Paul is saying, if you do not return to, uh, if you do not repent and return to me, I will be, I will be forced to use my authority as a, as an apostle. Because even that act will be done through the humi- humility and gentleness of Christ. So Paul never acts out using his own human emotions, and he's not rebuking, rebuking the church of Corinth out of his own uh, emotions as well. He's doing this because he needs to raise this church up back, again, back up again. So that's how he opens this letter. So even though Paul is expressing his wrath towards this church, this wrath does not come from his own emotions, but comes from the humility and gentleness of Christ. And that's why he's able to stay bold. And stay firm in the mes- in the in the words that he's speaking to this church. Uh, for me, um, I think at the beginning of my ministry, I I acted out uh, a lot in my anger. 
That's my old self. And the reason why I acted that way is because I believed in my own righteousness. And uh, it really bothered me that even though I was praying so much for my church members, they were not changing, they were not growing or maturing. And I could not understand that with my own righteousness. But as a pastor, no matter what your, the, your current situation is, you must not respond by your anger. Because if your emotions take over you, you cannot listen to the words of the Holy Spirit. And all the, all the actions and all the words that you speak when you're overwhelmed by your emotions may bring a lot of pain and, 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 and scars to uh, your people. But here, Paul is not doing that. He's speaking these words uh, uh, boldly because it comes from the humility and gentleness of Christ. And even, Paul, even though Paul is, is overall a very gentle person, he is not gentle towards evil and wickedness. In some aspects, this is very difficult. Because in a church, the pastor cannot compromise when it comes to evil and wickedness. But he needs to be gentle and caring to those who are weak. So uh, the pastor needs to know whether or not this is evil or, or this is a weakness that this person has. And only a pastor that lives and responds by the Holy Spirit may know uh, the difference between the two. Because through your human thoughts and through your human experiences, Uh, may, may, may allow you to just, to just um, jump over the issue that is before you because you think it's not that, that, that big of a deal. But the Holy Spirit may inspire you to do something else. He may inspire you to get rid of that problem uh, as a whole because it will cause other issues in the future. And He will let you see what uh, evil spirit and what evil spirits are behind that kind of, uh, behind that sin. And the Lord will help you get to the root of the problem rather than beating around the bush. And uh, I have said before that the, re the people rebelling against Paul in the Church of Corinth are not heretics, they are just false teachers. They are rebelling against Paul because they were. Were, were, were drunk with the identity of being an Israelite as a Jew and they were affected by the spirit of uh, they were being affected by the law and that's why Paul says they are the workers of the devil and why was Paul so harsh against these, this group of people it's because the, the Antichrist was working through these people to separate the church, to create division within the church. So the pa uh, pastors need to be very sensitive in this kind of spiritual discernment. If the Holy Spirit inspires you to do so, then you must be able to embrace that person who is weak and, and care for them until they are able to mature and grow out of their, their current situation. And this is the responsibility that is given to you as the leaders of your churches. 
And uh, God will acknowledge your time of trial and error. But you must be able to grow and mature through this time of trial and error. Especially within the church, you must not allow any words of slander, any gossip, any false rumors. Because these words will cause a lot of uh, rebellion, rebellion to rise within your community. So you have to be firm against these uh, forces. And our church has uh, matured a lot over the years. And we are, I think, almost, we're almost free of this kind of influence. And so you must not let any, uh, any of these kind of... Uh, uh, influence of gossip or, or divisions happen within your churches. The people who were uh, tormenting the church of Galatians were heretics, but uh, the, the people described in Second Corinthians are not heretics. They are just false teachers who are being used by the devil to create divisions within the church. And so let's move on to verse 1. If you look at the original text, by the humility and gentleness of Christ. Oh, so English is written correctly. Uh, by the humility and gentleness of Christ should be written first. And Paul is not speaking out because he wants to, to, to prove his, his position or title before the Church of Corinth. But he's speaking through the humility and gentleness of Christ. And so when you uh, discipline your children, you must not discipline them through your anger or through your emotions. In English, it's calm down. You have to calm down before you, you, you speak to your children. And first of all, you need to speak the word of God to them to help them understand why they have sinned and why they have done something that is wrong. And the most effective... Uh, trick you can use is for the father to tear up when they're speaking to their children because they will move the heart of the children and make them repent so uh, you should not face your children when you're unable to control your anger or uh, control your emotions and to speak from the word of God and ask them in the end, how many, uh, lash, how, how many times do you want to be hit? So this is the kind of attitude that Paul has for the Church of Corinth right now. He's rebuking them through humility and gentleness. And as a pastor, you must always have maintain the state of being humble and having this gentleness within you. So with this humility and gentleness, you must be firm towards evil and you must be able to embrace those who are weak. And humility and gentleness is not a, a trait that you can be born with. It is something that is blessed upon us when, uh, through the Holy Spirit. And uh, to be to humility and gentleness means you have a, a big heart that is able to embrace all. 
It is a heart that uh, simultaneously can rebuke evil and also forgive those who have sinned. This is uh, the, the trait of humility. So pastors, humility does not mean you like everything. You're, you're okay with everything. It means that you're able to differ, differentiate between what's, what is wicked and what is just weakness. And when pastors, the reason why pastors are attacked in this, in this area is because when, when something happens that you're unable to forgive somebody, it creates a lot of issues for you. Let's say, for example, a church member leaves your church. Then the pastor receives a huge emotional uh, scar. But that should not happen. When a church member decides to leave, you must be able to let them go and also bless them on their way out. And uh, get, get wrap up all the... All the conclude, conclude everything over there. If you're unable to do this, then... Uh, you will be brought, you will experience a lot of despair in the process of um, teaching your disciples so you must never get upset always uh, stay spiritually agile so this is the kind of characteristic you can have when you have this trait of humility and gentleness Because even when you're met with a difficult situation, you can instantaneously respond to the Holy Spirit. And you'll be able to uh, punish uh, wickedness and embrace those who are weak. This character trait needs to be embodied within you. If it is right for you to forgive that church member and let them go if they want to leave, then that's, that is what you, should, you, you need to do. For me, at times when a church member leaves this, leaves this church, I will bless them, let them go, and also forget their names. No, I remember every name of our church member, uh, every member of our church's name because I pray for them every day. But as soon as they leave the church, they leave my list of prayers as well. And that's why I start to forget their name. But anyways, let's move on. So what kind of state was Paul in? Because he, had, he was able to maintain the state of being humble and having the gentleness of Christ, he, was, he also was able to hold on to the responsibility of an apostle. But the problem is, we can see from the text, the, uh, the Church of Corinth is saying that Paul couldn't say anything to them when they were when they uh, when he was here but as soon as he leaves and he, he's writing letters to us he's all bold and speaking uh, big words to us and, but the reason why Paul was timid to them 
while he was there was because the Lord did not tell him to act out his, his wrath against him while he was there. And the reason why he's writing these le- uh, letters to them is because the Lord tells him to do so as well. This is the kind of nuance that we can see from this letter. Because God has decided everything, He has allowed me to use uh, the, the authority of, it, of the apostle against you guys. Paul is speaking these words to the church of Corinth with the responsibility that has been given to him by God. He is responsible, he is responsible for this church, and he loves this church. And so he needs to be firm against this kind of wickedness that is present in, in the church of Corinth at the moment. And this is a very important lesson for us as well. You all have a, uh, have a responsibility given to you by God. And so you must be able to embrace your churches and love your churches and not be hindered by any situations, any conditions that may come to you. Paul was able to stay perfectly balanced because uh, of this kind of character trait. So, by humility and gentleness of Christ, I appeal to you. I, Paul, who am timid when face to face with you, but bold towards you when away. So the word timid is not uh, a negative, it does not have a, have a negative meaning. Timid means you're being humble and you're being gentle. And being bold means you're able to speak your mind. But Paul is using these words which have no uh, negative meaning in, in, in kind of a negative sense and in kind of a mocking sense here. Because that's how the church of Corinth was uh, accusing him, him right now. Because the church of Corinth think that Paul is timid when he's, when he's uh, present in the church, but only bold when he's far away and writing letters. But the reason why Paul acted like that was because he had the humility and gentleness of Christ. In many cases, when your flesh is uh, empowered, rather than relying on your spiritual senses, you start to rely on the the senses of your flesh. We're going to talk about this later, about the strongholds that are built within your minds. But those who live by the flesh, when they're met with the situation, they're, they're instantly, they instantly start to think for themselves. And those thoughts are what causes uh, the enemy to, uh, to, to build strongholds within your minds. For example, uh, when you think you, you're bored or you want to be entertained, as soon as you have that thought, you, are, you start to look at your smartphone. For some, uh, as soon as they, they want to lash out in anger, they would act out in their anger as well. Because their thoughts, the strongholds in their thoughts are, uh, are, are, compl- are directly con- connected to their flesh. But Paul was not, not like that. Because he was connected with the Holy Spirit, because he was living like Christ, he is able to take a step back and wait for the Lord to work and to guide him. And only act when the Lord tells him to do so.
I'm preaching like an amateur. Uh, it's my my sermon right now is not very organized because I keep pulling things from the late uh, from from the other verses. Uh, anyways, the church was accusing Paul to be t- to being timid when he's away uh, when he's with them and being bold when he is away. But Paul is uh, defending himself by saying, "I'm do I have acted that way because of the humility and gentleness of Christ." But if the Lord tells me to 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 discipline you guys, then I will be using my uh, authority of the apostle against you. So Paul was not a person who would respond to his surroundings. He always waited and, and sought after the will of God in all situations, and that's how he was able to train his spiritual senses. And so, and so, when you're not spiritually sensitive in this way, anything that you face, you will be facing with your flesh and responding by your flesh. And when you respond by your flesh, then all the the, the difficulties that are, that are coming towards you will become will, will hit more critically than those who are able to respond by the spirit. But to those who live by the Spirit, no matter what comes to them, no matter what the enemy throws at them, they're able to stand firm and stand their ground. Because to those who live by the Spirit, uh, anything that the enemy might throw at, against them, it will be to them it will look like uh, it's coming in slow motion, and they're able to uh, uh, dodge it if necessary, or go go against their face on. But to those who are responding by the flesh. When, when something is thrown at them, it hits them, and it is a critical hit as well. And it's because, that, because you respond by the flesh, why, uh, it's because you responded by the flesh that your problems seem bigger than they are. Even when you're facing your death, even though somebody, somebody might be coming to kill you, uh, if you respond by the Spirit, you'll be able to realize the bigger will of God that is behind that, and you'll be able to rejoice in the Lord once again. But if you respond by the flesh, then it, is such, uh, it will bring so much terror and fear to you when you realize that you're, just, you're about to face your death. And even uh, in the example of church members leaving your church, <clears throat> if you respond by the flesh, then this is a huge problem because you're losing one of your precious disciples. But if you see everything through the Spirit, you'll be able to realize that they were not able to follow the trend of the church, and that's why they, have, they, are, uh, not, they should not remain in this church. And that's why you can bless that church member so that they can find a church that is suited to them. So you have to completely remove your tendencies to follow the flesh. All the great leaders, uh, spiritual leaders that are written in the Bible 
were able to completely nullify the power of the flesh. And that's why they were able to reveal the Lord's miracles in such great ways. For example, Moses, he was able to split the Red Sea before the Israelites. And as you know, the, 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 the Red Sea split from the other side. And so the people of the, the, the Israelites and Moses were not able to see that the water was splitting until it was completely open. But he did not, uh, he did not waver and he was not shaken. He was able to stand his ground and wait for the Lord to act out his will. And that's why people who live by the Spirit cannot face any failures. Because our sense of direction is always pointed towards eternity and not, uh, not, not in the targets that we can see. But because you act out according to your information, according to the data that you have received, that's why all the things that you do are so, become so complicated or you're met with a lot of failures. And so to be a leader, you need to have this habit of looking at the overall picture. And this can only be done by living by the Holy Spirit and by looking at the standards of the Almighty God and follow His, his uh, tremendous guid guidance that He bestows upon you. And with that, uh, nothing can become a problem for you then. So through this conference, you must get rid of all the, the strength of your flesh. Only then can you become a true leader of, of God's church. So do not let these events uh, your surroundings affect you anymore. Because when you respond by the flesh, you're leading your church to the mountains uh, when you're, when, as you're supposed to lead them to the ocean. So let's move on to verse 2. I beg you that when I come, I may not have to be as bold as I expect to be towards some people who think that, they, that we live by the standards of this world. So Paul is addressing those who are rebelling against him right now. Paul was a spiritual being. He was clear uh, in his identity before the Lord. And he was a person that did not live by the strength of, this, of his flesh. And right now, he was burying the, the death of Jesus uh, upon his life already. And so, our win-loss is decided uh, when, we, when we begin to, uh, when we decide on whether or not we're going to respond by the flesh or respond by the Spirit. For Paul, the most important thing was not his surroundings, not, of, not any of these external uh, elements, but he was focused on the fight between the new self and the old self that was happening within him, the internal battle, not the external battle. And he had to always make sure that his new self was overcoming and beating his old self. And that is the most important fight that we must focus on as well. Because when you're in the state of the new self, no matter what comes towards you, it's not that big of a prob problem. Whether you're persecuted, whether you're, you're, you're uh, tempted by something, it doesn't matter. If you're victorious in your internal battle, then you will be victorious in whatever comes towards you uh, in the, uh, externally. And uh, when you do that, when the new self is more is stronger than the old self, 
That means you will be able to experience what it means to bear the cross of Jesus in your lives. And as soon as you live in the uh, create this kind of habit, it will become easier for you to to do it over and over again. Because um, since you have the death of Jesus, since you're holding the cross of Jesus in your lives already, no matter what kind of problems come towards you, it's, it does not become a problem because uh, God takes takes care of you. And like I said before, if you're overwhelmed by your current situation and the issues before you, then that means uh, you have been living by the flesh for too long. Now, only those who have eaten meat and enjoyed meat before can enjoy meat be- that is before them. Uh, but those who have never eaten meat before, it will be very difficult for them to, to swallow this solid food that is very hard and, and difficult to digest. It is the same in the spiritual sense. So these two battles have to be very clear for you. And if you're not victorious in your internal battle, then no matter how much you speak of spiritual things, they will not uh, be effective. Our win or loss is dependent upon how much we're willing to go under the dominion of God. Let's move on. So Paul was not someone who was living by the flesh. I beg you that when I come, I may not have to be as bold as I expect to be towards some people. So look here. The church was accusing Paul of being timid when he's face-to-face with them and bold when he's away. But like I said before, the reason why it seems that way is because God has not decided for Paul to act out his, his discipline against the church of Corinth yet. And so he was not using his uh, authority as an apostle. So for a pastor, this is not a personality that you have, but it is the stance that you must have when you are when you are a leader of a church, and you have to acknowledge your head pastor who has that authority that is bestowed to them by God. And I'm not saying that the acknowledgement of people should be very important for you. You should not care about um, your image within the church in the pe- by the people. First of all, you must ha- show your, your uh, apostolic, apostolic authority to your churches. And the reason why Paul was able to do, to do this was because he lived by the Spirit and not by the flesh. Can a pastor be, be numb to the things of the Spirit? No, you guys have to be experts in this field. Because without knowing what happens in the spiritual realm, you cannot care for your church members. So Paul was someone who was very clear in this matter. And he knew that uh, God called him to this church as the, as the apostle for this church. And because he knew of his identity and the responsibilities given to him, he was able to boldly say these things against the church of Corinth because they were in the, they were in the wrong. So in your ministries, all the decisions should be made by the head pastor doesn't matter what your church members say. 
And if that if your church members cannot agree with what you what you are saying and rebel against you, then that what that is what causes uh, divisions within the church, and uh, takes away the power of the church. And it, if you're unable to stand your ground and and make the decisions of your for your ministries, then uh, I'm sorry to say that you're not made to be a pastor then. Because a pastor, a leader, must always have the confidence of living, uh, living by the Holy Spirit, of being called by the Lord, of being the ultimate leader of of your ministries. You need this confidence. Conversely, why do you lose? Why are you not confident in your ministries? Then, and it's because you have not lived by the Spirit, but lived by the flesh, and you have turned away from God. Another way to say this is that you have been spiritually lazy. And so if you stay vigilant, if you stay busy spiritually, then this kind of confidence will always be filled within you. If not, then there's no reason for God to have called you in that place in the first place. Because you're not fitted to be a leader. So the very first thing is for you to confirm of your calling before the Lord. And if you truly believe in that, then Lord, then everything else comes in line afterwards, because God uh, will be responsible for you. And when He gives you a decision to make, you have to proclaim that decision decision to the church and just uh, and do it, because God takes responsibility. And the reason why I'm able to lead this ministry is because I have that kind of relationship with the Lord. And God has given me this confidence to to proclaim my decisions boldly to the church and to this ministry. And it it may not happen in the in in the beginning, but as you do this over and over again, slowly, slowly. Um, your churches, the people of your, the members of your churches, will start to acknowledge your position as the apostle and respect the authority that has been bestowed to you. And that is the key to uh, receiving this, the blessing of God. Because when the church members acknowledge their head pastor, that is the right order of which God has created, created in the first place. And if this order is broken, then the, the Lord cannot bless that church. But in the perspective of the world, uh, I'm not I'm not talking about uh, what the world thinks uh, decides the the success of a church. Our perspective should always be should be: Do we have the Lord's glory? Do we are we maintaining the holiness of God in this church? And as pastors. The most important thing is to see whether or not the kingdom of God is within your church. And not just pastors, even businessmen, when you go to your companies, you're supposed to uh, proclaim the kingdom of God to come upon your companies as well. This means even more for the pastors. You have to see whether or not there's glory within your churches. 
It doesn't matter how many members are present in the church, how big your building is. That's not up to you to decide. The only thing you should be focused on is whether or not the kingdom of God has come upon your church. And if if it has, then uh, there's no problem. That means you're living by the Spirit and not the flesh. If you're not living by the flesh, you're living by the Spirit. You're living by what the what uh, you're living according to the will of God. And Paul is saying to the church of Corinth, "Do not touch the things of the do not touch the things of the kingdom of God when you do not understand it. When you're living by the flesh, and when you're attacked by your church members in this sense, then uh, it is a huge problem. For example, you, when your church members come to you and say, 'Pastor, Pastor, why don't you pray more?' How can you lead uh, your church members when they look down upon you?" How demeaning is it, 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 uh, is it to hear these words from your church members? That they're accusing you of not praying enough. I don't think there's any pastor who can still continue to lead his ministry when he's looked down upon by his congregation. And this is, so this is a very sensitive problem, especially for pastors. The problem of, your, of, of the flesh is very present in the, the, the current churches of Korea. All the pastors are busy uh, enjoying themselves, going to golf clubs and meeting people. Going to bowling alleys. Uh, there was a pastor, a head pastor of a huge church, who went to play golf on Sundays. Because his his excuse for himself was was that he needs to meet these rich people and evangelize the gospel to them. True story. As a pastor, you need to be confident in saying, do not touch this part. Do not touch upon the things of God. That's what Paul is saying here. Let's look from uh, verse 3 to 5. Now, Paul is saying that... Uh, the, 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 the quarrel that's happening within the church right now is spiritual warfare. And in chapter 12, verse 5, Paul describes this group of people as, dev- as the devil's workers. And like I've said before, this group of people are different from the, from the, the group of people described in Galatians. Because the goal of this group of rebelli- rebellious people uh, uh, was to be to, to create divisions within the church because they have fallen under the control of the, uh, of the Antichrist. And I've seen this many times in Korean churches before. People rising up to, to dethrone uh, their head pastors, to chase them away and place a person that they can control over there. 
That's the short. That, that is a great shortcut to getting cursed, for your your church and your your families to be cursed. If your church uh, starts to fight against each other, then you have to um, escape as soon as possible, because the church cannot be divided. Do Methodist churches still fight each other? Have they gone better? It's because you have prayed for them. And uh, I'm very thankful for that. They have spent millions in uh, lawsuits, lawsuits against each other. <clears throat> and it's not, it's not just the Methodist. All the other denominations are the same. When a church is divided, it means it has been divided by the enemy, by the devil. If your church has chased away uh, an, uh, a pastor, then that is done by the devil as well. So that's why Paul says this is uh, a matter of spiritual warfare. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war, wage war as the world does. So there is two meaning to the to live in the world. Fundamentally, though we are living by our new self, our old self is still within us. Our flesh is still present within us. And every day you have to fight in this spiritual warfare and be victorious so that we can be called as, uh, uh, we can be seen as righteous before the Lord. So uh, when we are saved, what kind of being are we made into? We are named right as righteous. Even though we were sinners, God has named us as right, righteous. But as, as soon as we receive the salvation, the fight between the new self and the old self uh, starts within us. And when the new self is more victori victorious over the old self, that's when we're, we, 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 become the tr we become truly righteous before the Lord. In, this, in that sense, the reason why Satan has not been judged, the reason why our old self is still present within us, is all done for our, our, our benefit. Because when we are only in the state of uh, uh, being named righteous, there is no reward for us in heaven. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. What is this saying? Right now, Paul is not fighting against uh, this this group of people, and uh, humanly speaking, he should be he should he should have expressed his anger against this group of people. But no, he does not wage war against them because he would, he does not live by the flesh. And the reason why you cannot control yourselves in this in these kind of situations is because you have lived by the flesh for too long, and you're the um, you're too sensitive to the flesh. And that's why when something happens, you always uh, you're you're always angry or you're you fall into despair, and you get upset. 
because you have lived by the flesh, you have strengthened the the senses of your flesh. If somebody cusses at you, no matter. You cuss back at them. You, we all have to become numb against uh, the the sense of senses of the flesh. Pastors' wives, you enjoy uh, buying nice clothes, right? And if you see some nice clothing in a store, then you you're, you're always tempted to buy that. I'm saying that you should not be controlled by your desires. I'm very thankful for the women of our church because none of the women in our church wear fancy clothing. And I'm not telling you to wear drags, but do not chase after uh, luxurious brands or things that are expensive. Or sought after by the sought after by the world. Those who chase the truth uh, should should be numb and should be stiff towards the world. <clears throat> and this is a very important issue. Do not live a lifestyle that trains and strengthens your your flesh. Nowadays, uh, we do not we do not watch television. But now the the new trend and the new popular popular uh, vocation is to be a to be a chef. And so all the television programs broadcast uh, good and fancy food. And that's the world trying to to train your 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 fleshly senses, the sense of taste, especially. They want to strengthen your taste so that you seek uh, it even more. So when I look at the Jews in Israel, their food, uh, to be honest, is not that good. Almost all their food looks bland and looks white or grayish. And that is because, especially the Orthodox Jews, they have turned away from the ways of the world, and they are numb to the, to it. So they are not tempted by the flashiness of Babylon, and they are not tempted by uh, its temptations. A church should be the same. You have to be numb. You have to be uh, out of style. Will you stand up to be a rep- <laughs> to be a representative of all the females of our church? Show how out of style and old-fashioned you are. So this is the right model you should <laughs> follow. Uh, you should not um, emit the or. <laughs> This this worldly aroma from your from your bodies. This is very important for those who are uh, 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 living in the spirituality. 
have to train ourselves to respond by the Spirit and to be sensitive to the senses of the Spirit. The more you're the more, uh, the more you strengthen your fleshly senses, the more your spiritual senses will die and become numb. And it is it's either one or the other. You cannot have both. So television, movies, uh, shopping malls. If you do this, you, you cannot be helped but be, be influenced by... Uh, your fleshly senses because your flesh will not stop uh, pulling on the world and being influenced by it so those who are uh, deeply rooted within their flesh cannot help but be influenced by the world And to the, when, when these kind of people try to uh, live a spiritual life, it, it is very difficult for them to do so because, because they cannot escape uh, this desire that they have. In chapter 13, Paul confesses saying he cannot do anything outside of the Word of God. Because the word of God has become an absolute for him. But when, when the word of God be, is not absolute for you, then you start to, to, to mix it and maybe mold it so that it suits you. And you, you get confused and deceived into thinking you are a good man even though you are not. And that's how the churches get polluted and contaminated and ultimately they're uh, 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 changed to a different shape. And these are the type of people who are influenced deeply by uh, the spirit of humanism. They're so confused that they think that they're doing right, that they're just, their actions are justified. And that causes a lot of people in the church to become religious. And this is a very dangerous state. If you're willing to give your life for holiness, then you do not focus on your actions and your, your, your actions cannot become uh, your, the, thing, uh, the thing that you boast of. But when you're focused in your actions, then you're under the influence of the spirit of religion. And so if you attend church uh, diligently and if you go to all the meetings, then your, your, your self-worth uh, skyrockets because you think that is what uh, decides your worth. But the reason why the early churches were so willing to, to face their death for the Lord was because they were willing to give their life for the truth that they have received. So you have to train your church members in this way as well. That they will love the Word of God and love God so much that they're willing to give their lives for it.
And our ultimate goal as pastors and as remnants is to make everybody a martyr in your, in your churches. But the pastor will have to uh, live until the very end. I'm going to wait uh, until the Lord's coming and wait for him in Masada. <clears throat> So, look here. Though we live in a world, we do not wage war as the world does. So, what does it mean to wage war in the world? It means you're fighting with your information, with your experiences, with the data that you have collected. To live by the Spirit means you're living by the Holy Spirit. And that means in all... In every moment, your life is being uh, led by the Holy Spirit. So the reason why we always look forward to, to, to ministering people is because every time we minister someone, it should be a new experience for us because, because it is done through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. But as soon as you rely on your experiences and, and, and as soon as you use your, your skills in your ministry, then you are living in religion. We have to be sensitive to what the Holy Spirit says and obey its word, His words. And the more you do that, the easier it becomes to be obedient. And the Holy Spirit never does something the same way twice. Only when you respond by the Spirit can you face uh, any situation that comes before you and still, uh, and, and still get out of it by relying on the Lord. If you respond to the flesh, then you'll be overwhelmed by these situations. And ultimately, you will not experience these kind of spiritual breakthroughs. Let's say you have to minister to someone and that's not, that person is being possessed by the spirit of immorality. And if you, res, if you respond by the flesh and respond by religion and, and, and uh, minister that person through your own experiences, then the immorality that may be present within you and the immorality within that person may come together and create uh, uh, sin between the two of you. And so as ministers, as pastors, it is so important for you to maintain the fullness of the Holy Spirit within you at all times and learn to be obedient to it so that you can be victorious. Always be moved by the Lord's anointing. Always be moved by His words of wisdom. The word always is here, always here is very important. Let's say uh, I'm in the middle of a conference and suddenly my body is exhausted. Exhausted. 
And if you cannot rise again because of this exhaustion, then that means you have done your ministry through your flesh and through religion. Because a person who, is, who has been led by the Spirit cannot tire out, cannot be exhausted. It does not mean you don't get tired from time to time. It means the Lord always gives you the strength to, to face the next day and to continue your ministry. Because the Lord feeds us every day with this da daily bread. And that's why the more I preach, the more uh, the, the Lord strengthens me. Right now, I have been preaching for the past 32 years. And I have not slowed down. I'm still preaching three hours, four hours. Is it because it, is a, uh, it has become a habit for me? <clears throat> this is only possible because I have, I have done this ministry out of, through... Uh, anointing and the Spirit, Holy Spirit. And so it is very dangerous if, you're not, if the warfare within you has, the internal battle has not been decided yet. You have to always maintain the state of having the new self, uh, overcoming the old self, and having it beneath its feet. Because if not, then whatever, the, uh, whenever little threat the enemy throws at you will, will be critically, will, will, will cause a great shift in the battle that happens within you. You lose your spiritual senses and you, you even lose sight of God and His love. And that's when you start to live and, and minister out of your experiences, out of, uh, out of your uh, standards. And you become numb against uh, the, the, the words of the Holy Spirit. So fundamentally speaking, spiritual discernment should be um, uh, the basic skill for the pastor, for the head pastor, because he has to see what kind of spirits are working within uh, his church. He has to see from afar that, oh, the spirit of immorality is coming towards us, or the spirit of division is with, uh, present within us. So this kind of discernment has to be one of your, uh, has to be within your arsenal. But if you cannot see the enemy coming, then uh, it's bec it becomes very overwhelming to have to face them uh, when it's right before you. And that's why you have been responding by the flesh. You lose this kind of uh, awe that you have for the Lord. And you, you lose excitement and anticipation in your ministry. I'm going to say it again. Pastors, you have to be sensitive. You have to be sensitive beings. Lay church members can, can continue their spirituality even though they are still mixed a little bit. But pastors cannot be like that. You have to be pure and, and blameless because without that kind of purity, you cannot enter into the Holy of Holies. When a high priest is walking up the steps to the Holy of Holies, he's going there with a very heavy heart, heart because he knows that if he has a single sliver of impurity within him, he will die instantaneously. So look at me, am I sensitive or not? You can, tell, you can acknowledge that I'm sensitive. Even, though, uh, even when I'm preaching, 
even though I've been preaching for years and years, and I, I look, I seem like an expert in this field. Every time I come, before I come up here, I'm nervous, and I tremble before the Holy Spirit because um, it is always new to me. And the reason why I told the Lord I don't, uh, that I do not want to become a pastor was because I realized the responsibility that the pastors have, have needs to have bef- uh, back when I was just a lay church member. And that's why I told the Lord, oh, you, can, you can ask me to do anything, but I do not want to be a pastor. So pastors are sensitive beings. And what does that mean? It means that the Lord's standard for your holiness is very high. It is set very high in the beginning. And God's standard for me is also very high as well because He has given me the ministry of ministering other pastors. So I'm not saying that I'm superior compared to you. No, that's the kind of calling that the Lord has given to me. And that's why I am in this position. And because He has called me in this way, His standards for me are are higher. So I'm telling you all the reasons why you should not live by the flesh. Because, pastors, you need to enter into the Holy of Holies and encounter encounter the Lord every day. Because He's your Master, and you have to meet your Master in order to listen to what your Master orders you to do so that you can have a sense of direction in your ministry. So let's move on. Verse 4. So verse 4 is very important as well. I believe that all of you guys are the pastors, are are the leaders of the remnants of this age. And that's why I'm not training you, I'm not preaching to you to help you uh, grow your churches, to get new buildings and get a lot of members in your church. If that is your ultimate goal, then then you're not uh, suited to this ministry. The Lord has given me uh, the calling to to serve his remnants, to train and raise up his, his remnants. So it is not my choice. It is the Lord's choice. It is the path that he has given to me. And it is the path that he has decided. And it is because the churches of the world do not understand what, what the Lord's will for them is. That's why they're, they're focusing on, the, all the, on all the wrong stuff, on money, on the size of their churches. So whether there's only one person in your church or, or, or hundreds, it doesn't matter. You have to preach uh, the, the, the pure truth to them. And if you do that, then the Lord will make, make your church glorious. So let's move on. Verse 4. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. In verse 3, we, we talked about the war of the world. And since we do not fight in that war, we do not need the weapons of the world. 
because our fight uh, uh, because our fight is in the spiritual realm it does not we do not require the weapons of the world So it doesn't matter uh, what your background is, how much you have studied, how much information you have obtained, what kind of uh, family background you come from. When you have, you have when you have ministered for thirty years, you, become, you should become an ex- expert in this field. But there's a difference between uh, being an expert in skill and being an expert in uh, maintaining holiness. The reason why I adore uh, Pastor Henry Groover is because he knew the things of the Spirit. And he, he, and Paul, around 80, 57 to 60. After Paul was met by the Lord, for 40 years he lived as the Lord's apostle and eventually became a martyr for Christ. And that's why I, I adore him and respect him so much. So it doesn't matter how much how much time you have put in this ministry, how much time has passed. The important thing is how how holy you are. And it is not up to us to decide what kind of church, how, how big our church buildings can be, how many people we can have in our church. When you become a holy and blameless servant, everything else is, is taken care of by God. Never once in this, in, for the past 30 years did I decide before the Lord. I just followed His directions and followed His decisions. When you stop living by the flesh and start living by the spirit, you'll realize what I'm talking about. So, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. Uh, these weapons can, can mean uh, uh, your, your appearance, uh, the money you have, your background. I think he's talking about a pastor who... Uh, always dresses like he's a, a, a general in the a commander in the army and he always boasts of the, the size of his church and, and uh, boasts of his position and the money that he has received from, from the churches but we, we know that um, <clears throat> these weapons do not belong to us and that we should not care for them because our spirit our, our fight lies in spiritual warfare and not the warfare of the world. So those things are not necessary for us. It is not a weapon for us. Sometimes the Lord will, will allow us to obtain these weapons so that we can fight against that battle which is before us. But in the overall picture, we do not need them. And so 
it was a it was it was a uh, absolute rule for Paul to not respond by the flesh. It is a rule that he has set for himself, and that's why it is important how much you have responded by the Spirit and not by your flesh. How much time have you invested in living by the flesh, uh, by the Spirit, over living by the flesh? And it's a matter of a, uh, it's a mathematic problem in the end. If you have lived through the flesh, uh, through in the spirit for 13 hours, then that means your whole body and your spirit has been filled by the new self for 13 hours. But if it is the opposite, then you, uh, then that means you have been controlled by the flesh for that much time. So you have to always remember to face the Lord in, in, in every situation, to lengthen the time that you spend within His presence. Do not allow the old self to, to come up and take over. Because God gives us these, the, some, these chances to utilize our faith and to experience great things, of, uh, great spiritual things at, at a certain moment. And only when we're, respond, when we're living by the new self can we see that that is the right timing and respond at that timing. But if we live by the flesh and are, are responding by the old self, then we will miss these chances to experience great spiritual growth. So the key to our victory is to maintain and lengthen the time that we can maintain uh, the state of the new self. Do not think one day God is going to drop His revelations upon you like that. You have to maintain the state of the new self and, and maintain that relationship with God so that He can uh, slowly and, and, and slowly reveal his overall picture and his word to you. Let's move on. It says, uh, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. So if you live by the flesh, then you become servant, slave to, to sin. And when you live by the spirit, you become a victor in, in the eyes of the Lord. So in every moment, it is a choice that we have to make. Are we going to live as a slave to death or are we going to live as the Lord's servant? We, have always, uh, we, we must always choose to become a, a servant to righteousness. Let's say, I've been living all day in the flesh and I choose to pray for one hour and, and I choose to pray for one hour. Do you think you'll be able to pray uh, very well during that one hour when you have lived by the flesh for uh, like 10 hours or 13 hours? That does not make sense. So for those of you who are working in the world, you need... You have to choose to live by the new self and respond by the Spirit even, even when you are working and maintain the state of the new self so that you can pray uh, when you have got, gotten out of work. It is the same for pastors. You have to maintain being filled with the Holy Spirit and always be ready to enter into the Holy of Holies and for the Lord to come and visit you. 
But if you live by the flesh, it, it will be very difficult for you to focus in your time of prayer. So always have have the spirit. Uh, uh, always strengthen the sense of uh, senses of your spirit rather than the senses of your flesh. In First John one nineteen, it says, "The blood of Christ has cleansed all records of our sin." Uh, I've said before that there's a difference between spiritual uh, reflection and spiritual repentance. And in school, when we do something wrong, the, the teachers uh, make us write a lot of reflections so that we can reflect on our, our, our wrongdoings and see uh, what the problem is. And so spiritual reflection is also very important. And that's us acknowledging our wrongdoings before the Lord and asking Him to come and cleanse us. But uh, you should not stop there. You have to continue to pray so that, uh, so that the Lord will help you find out the, uh, the fundamental problems that are present within you, that are causing you to, to, to do these things. Only when you get rid of these things will it become easier for you to live by the new self. When you're constantly under light and suddenly that light is taken away from you, then that darkness will be unbearable. But on the other hand, when you're constantly un- with living within darkness, uh, then the short, um, uh, then uh, when the light is shined upon you, it is also very uh, difficult to accept that light because you have spent too much time in darkness. But anyways, uh, re- spiritual reflection is also very important. But reflection itself is not enough for us to erase the old self. Uh, the strength of the old self. How do we erase the strength of the old self? Is to 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 do true repentance, to confess true repentance before the Lord, and to get rid of all the strongholds that are present in your mind. Let's say you're addicted to your cell phones and you cannot live without your cell phones. But sometimes the Lord will show His great miracle upon you and instantly take away all temptations that you have. Uh, temptations that you have to your cell phones by erasing all the strongholds within your mind. And when, it's, when the strongholds are completely removed, it becomes easier, easy for you to uh, resist these temptations. So uh, you, you know, <clears throat> rather than having to go all through all uh, through this process of getting rid of strongholds and repenting, uh, it is a very tedious task. So rather than doing that, why don't you just choose to live by this old, uh, by the new self, and not cause any strongholds to be built within your mind? In Romans chapter six, verses twelve talks about uh, why Paul was able to stay motivated. 
Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey, whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness? So living by the also uh, means that you're controlled by sin, and you're you become disobedient to the Lord. And you're being, in, in this state, you're being controlled by all your fleshly desires, for your desires of position, possessions, uh, desire for control. These kind of spirits can come into you and control you when you're in, this, when you're in the state of the old self. And so every day, you have to choose to live by the cross and not live by uh, and to reject the lifestyle of the flesh so that you can uh, fend yourself off from these spirits, external spirits. Romans chapter 4 verse 2 If in fact Abraham was justified by the works he has something to boast of but not before hidden embarrassments and hidden shame that is within you is what causes you to act out these uh, shameful things. So you need to start to acknowledge the wickedness that still lies within you that you were not aware of. Only those who live by the Holy Spirit can realize that they had the spirit of, uh, that they had the desire of possessions. And, or any other desires uh, from, from Babylon. You have to start to sense these things within you. Desire for comfort, desire for uh, safety, desire for control, desire for possessions, achievements. You have to see that this evil lies within you and, and, and uh, express your wrath against it. And the desires of Babylon are uh, is the result of the, 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 the of the sin and wickedness that is lying within you. So when you're obedient towards the Lord, when you live by the Spirit and respond by the Spirit, these kind of this darkness will start to fade away from within you. A person that is uh, strongly affected by the desire of pleasure it will be susceptible to the spirit of Babylon, to the spirit of the world. But when they realize how wicked it is, how, 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 uh, how dirty it is before the Lord, this person will acknowledge that problem and uh, ask the Lord to help them to be separated from this influence. 
and then you will no longer be tempted by this desire. So you have to experience this separation in order to see how greatly you were influenced by Babylon beforehand. And when all of these desires uh, have been taken away, have been removed, then you have entered into the Sabbath rest state of your spirituality, like Paul was. You will not touch anything that does not belong in the Lord's glory. Paul was able to start the life, start his life of living uh, uh, by living with by bearing the cross of Jesus, by bearing his death in his life around AD 55. And that's why he was able to confess later in chapter 13 that he cannot do anything without the word of God. Are you guys tired? Let's move on. So for Paul, bearing the death of Jesus is such an important issue. And uh, the Church of Corinth was trying to accuse Paul of his weaknesses. But Paul seems like he's acknowledging their accusations right now. And he is acknowledging it because it's it's just one one aspect of his ministry. But for Paul, but Paul himself does not acknowledge his weaknesses. And uh, this is something that people who live by the Spirit can do. And it's that even when the world accuses them, uh, for example, the world may accuse you of not having money, of not, of not having power. But uh, you, can, you can acknowledge that, that reality to, to them. But it does not mean that you acknowledge it as a weakness towards yourself. When you look at uh, Pastor Chong, he has two doctorate degrees, two, two PhDs. And for someone who does not have any like me, uh, I, I cannot compare it to that kind of achievement. And so I would try, I would defend myself by saying uh, I may be stronger and be better and, and uh, be better built than he is. And for those people who live like this, uh, in their relationship with God, they do the same thing. When they have $50 and they need $100, they will ask the Lord to bless them with $50 because they already have 50 But Paul, he never compared himself to the world, never compared himself to other, pers- other people, but rather he only compared himself to God. And so he, went, he could never boast of anything that he has. He cannot say that he has anything. Because the act of boasting of your achievements, of, the, of your wisdom, of the things that you have received uh, is something that can be only be done, uh, that is something that only makes sense in the, in the perspective of Babylon. But in the perspective of God, it doesn't make sense. 
Because ultimately, all that we receive comes from God, and it does not belong to us. And even our weaknesses should not influence us, because it will be filled by the Lord. Suffering is the same, because Paul did not receive it, uh, respond by the flesh. He was able to cast everything to the Lord. Persecutions. Let's say in the the perspective of Babylon, Paul was met with a great distress. Uh, And it it should cause him a lot of pain and sorrows. But no, because, because Paul was able to respond by the Spirit, he was able to cast off that distress to the Lord and have him take care of it, take, take, take care of it for him. So, for those who live by the Spirit, the more uh, sufferings, the more persecutions that are thrown to them, the more they will become strengthened and, and mature and grow from it. Because that's how the Lord guides them. And so, this is the key to how Paul was able to experience true freedom in, in the Lord. If you look at the epistles, uh, after uh, uh, written by Paul after AD 55, which we have spoken uh, of this Sunday. Uh, all the epistles afterwards, Paul writes about the, the way of the cross. Colossians uh, was written in AD 62, Philippians, uh, I think around 58-ish. But it was all the underlying theme of those epistles are talking about the way of the cross because it is so important for us to bear His cross in our lives every day. Because if not, if we do not bear His cross, then we are living by the flesh and responding by the flesh. We, we, we obsess over what we have. So, because He was able to not respond by the flesh, and because flesh is connected to Babylon, that's why Paul was able to separate himself from Babylon completely. All the persecutions, all the hardships, all the sufferings that we face, when we respond by the flesh, uh, it, everything becomes a problem. But when we respond by the Spirit, it doesn't matter because whether or not we have money does not matter when we are within the Lord. That is the key to uh, freedom. So as you live, you have to check to see how much you have lived by the flesh and how much you have lived by the Spirit. And many times we are deceived. We think uh, our problems come to us because we don't have money. Because... um, the, 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 the victory or the failure of the church is not dependent upon its surroundings or its conditions. When you live a life of responding by the Spirit and bearing the cross of Jesus in your life, and if all of, all of your church members live that kind of lifestyle, then that church will be able to... Um, be victorious in any kind of surroundings, any kind of conditions. There should be a clear difference between the life of those who live by the flesh and uh, those who live by the Spirit. 
for those who live by the flesh, any problem that comes before them looks like a giant mountain that they have to climb over. And they are deceived in many ways, thinking that they, the key to happiness is money, the key to happiness is fame and, and honor. But no, when, you're, when you live with the death of, uh, death of Jesus within you, then your spiritual eyes will be opened. And you realize that no matter what results come to you, it is a result of victory. So, from the mouths of Christians, and especially in the mouths of uh, pastors, we cannot say uh, it cannot be helped. We live with the Almighty God, with the, with the God of Creator, with the Creator God. And so there's no reason for us to say it cannot be helped. It is out of our control. Let's move on. So, so Paul was able to maintain the state of being zero before the Lord at all times. And many of us are able to, to, to not stand before the Lord at all times because we, we think we possess so much and we think we, are, uh, we, can, we can survive without the Lord sometimes. And this is the difference of faith. What kind of faith will you live by? If you are zero, then that means that you can only live when you are connected by the Lord, when you are living with the things that the Lord gives to you. But if you are not zero, if you are five or eight, then you only ask the Lord for the remainder, that, that re the remaining number that uh, you need to fill. So we must all live a life of being a zero. So it should not be a problem for, for, for us to have or not to have when we live with the Lord. Having money or not having money is not a problem. Having people or not having people is not a problem as well. Because the problem itself cannot come between you and God. And it should not bring uh, distress or, or despair to you. Especially you should not feel any uh, sense of shame, embarrassment when you're living with the Lord. These emotions have nothing to do with the Lord's children. Are you embarrassed of your academic uh, records? Do you think just because you were not greatly educated, you have no right to speak the word of God before your congregation? Nothing in this world can become a hindrance when, uh, uh, for the, in the will of God. Only it is because you live a self-centered life. It is because you're focused on yourself that these things come to you and, and, and uh, affect you. Let's move on. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. And we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So, uh, the strongholds that are written here is talking about the footholds of the enemy. And Paul is going to talk about this later. So the strongholds uh, uh, written here are, are, uh, are the strongholds of your mind. When you respond by the flesh continually, 
then the senses of your flesh uh, is strengthened and your, your, your mind gets expanded and your thoughts uh, uh, start to get personified. When you're in that state, then uh, your thought will instantaneously become your action. For example, you want to eat something. As soon as that thought comes into you, you have to eat that food. And that means that within your mind, there is the stronghold of, of, of gluttony. For, uh, as another example, if you want to use your cell phone, if you, if you want to play on your cell phone, then as soon as you have that thought, you would be touching and unlocking your cell phones. It is because that has become a stronghold within your mind. And for others, um, it may be something immoral. When a, per- when a person has a stronghold of immortal- immorality within their minds, then they, they, they would need to interact with women in order to get rid of this kind of uh, yearning that they have, craving that they have. That means that they have the stronghold of immorality but within their mind. It's the same for us as well. And you have to see what kind of strongholds are within your mind. Is it a stronghold of religion? You know, it, it should be... Originally, you would not be able to pray without uh, the Holy Spirit's anointing being poured upon you. But after 20 years of leading your ministry, you have been... Uh, so deeply rooted within the spirit of religion that even without the help of the Holy Spirit you're able to pray and you're able to lead your ministry in that way through religion Romans 5 uh, Romans 8 5 says the thoughts of the flesh lead to death and so the more you respond to your flesh the more strong the, uh, the more powerful the stronghold becomes within your mind. And when the uh, stronghold for, uh, for, for information is built within your mind, then every word that I speak on this podium uh, will be received by you as information, as data, as data within your mind. So rather than being able to eat the word by faith and repenting on it, uh, even the word of God, even the truth becomes data and information to you. And when you try to preach out of this information and out of the data that you have collected, uh, then your church and your congregation will not be transformed by the words that, by the, by the sermon that you preach, because it has no power, because it has no life within it. So it is a very sensitive issue for a pastor to live by uh, the spirit and not by the flesh. And when you have a lot of information within your mind, your, that information leads to a lot of thoughts. And those thoughts will lead to a lot of standards, and these standards will become your strongholds. Especially in this age, 
almost everybody has a stronghold of smartphones within their, their, their minds. I, have, I really see anybody that is free of the influence of smartphones. Everybody's holding on to it and they cannot let go of it. <laughs> and they're so, they're so sensitive to to uh, to the recent news to see what others are doing on on uh, or, or they're so sensitive to social media or games. And even when you're not using your cell phone, your whole your, your every thought in your mind is geared towards uh, the information that you received from your received from your smartphones. And so, rather than Christ being your shepherd, shepherd, uh, your cell phone has become your shepherd, and your thoughts are enslaved to it. So, what is the proof of uh, of these strongholds within your minds? And that is, as your thoughts are made, are are are. Your actions are controlled by your thoughts immediately. Some people, when they have a thought within their mind, they have to vocalize that thought. They have to say it to the people around them. And that means that kind of stronghold has been built within you. They have divine power to demolish strongholds. This power comes from the Lord. It is the Word of God. It is the Holy Spirit in, uh, that, that gives you the power to demolish these strongholds. And you have to believe in the power of the blood of Jesus to come and cleanse you. And even if you are influenced by, by, by these things, and even if uh, you have received information in the world, Every day you must pray for the Lord to come and cleanse you with His blood and to wash away all impurities. <laughs> In the case of uh, Brother Chanyong, he is a doctor, so imagine how much information is stored within that mind of his. Are you okay? Okay with all those, all those informations? And that's why it is so difficult for doctors to have a good faith life because they have to live by the information and by the, by the, uh, by the things that they have studied. So it is natural for them to live a very uh, live through their reason and rationality. And for those people, they are very susceptible to the spirit of disbelief and doubt. It is very difficult for them to receive the things of the spirit. And it is also the same for, for pastors who have studied theology. After uh, the, the era of Augustine, um, theology itself has been polluted and it has been transformed to, 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 to be something completely different from what God intended it to be. And so rather than teaching people to live by the truth, they teach 
people to live by, by information. And so that's why many people go crazy while studying theology. Because in the end, theology disproves God. And so it is the grace of, by the grace of God that uh, the doctors within our church and the PhDs within our church uh, have not gone crazy. Let's move on. It's very simple. If you hold on to your, your information, if you hold on to the strongholds within your mind, then you start to rebel against God. And you cannot study God. You have to encounter Him and, and experience Him. That's the key to, to, uh, to, to you really receiving this kind of revelations. But you, if you receive everything by, as information, as data, then you will set yourself up higher than the Lord. But by the power of the blood of Jesus and by the Holy Spirit and the Word of God, we can demolish these strongholds and we have to believe in this power. Every day we must not stop, uh, we must not neglect uh, the amount of information that we have received, the amount of time and, uh, that we have spent strengthening the flesh. Every day we have to pray to the Lord to come and cleanse us so that all of our spiritual functions can, can operate fully again. And that is done through repentance. And that's why repentance is so important for us as well. Let's finish everything up in five minutes. One more, one more thing. Uh, uh, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So we need to pray that every thought that we have within our minds will be captive to the Holy Spirit. It's not, it is not a me mechanism, but we have to live by the Spirit and respond by the Spirit. The more you do that, the more you experience how your mind will be freed, freed of these, uh, these useless thoughts. And this is something I have said many, many years ago already. When you live by the Spirit, you will become like a person without a head because you do not live by your head anymore. You're headless in that sense. Without God, humans are, are, are almost designed to live by, their, by its own thought. And so we have, to, we have to rely on the Holy Spirit, the Spirit that gives us life to guide us. And when we listen to His words, we will be able to escape our own thoughts and let our thoughts be captive to the Holy Spirit. So every day it's a matter of choice. Are you going to live by the flesh or live by the, uh, by the Spirit or live by the flesh? And the key to our victory is to choose to live by the, the Spirit. From 6 verses 6 to 12 will be finished in one uh, content, 
context. And we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience once your obedience is complete. So what does it mean your obedience is complete? It means that when all the bodies of your church are are obedient, then it becomes easier for Paul to go to that church and punish uh, their acts of disobedience. If they're willing to follow Paul and follow his words and uh, obey his his truth, then he can come and and, uh, perform his authority of the apostle once again. And spiritually saying, Being obedient to the Lord means that your spirit and your whole your being is able to uh, follow the Lord and obey the Lord. And that means when you're in that state, it means that any, any uh, re- remaining portion of disobedience that may remain with you will, will quickly be dismantled and removed. And it will be easier for you to reject the, the ways of the flesh and choose the ways of the, of the spirit. And you, your spirit will be filled with the Holy Spirit. And you will be uh, you will be living in the state of the new self. Verse seven: You are judging by appearances. If anyone is confident that they belong to Christ, they should consider again that we belong to Christ just as much as they do. So, what does it mean to judge by the appearances? It, it, he's talking about those who are rebelling against Paul. They're they're judging Paul by his appearance. Does he have the letters of recommendation? Does he have a good background? Is he the true apostle? So if anyone is confident that they belong to Christ, they should consider again that we belong to Christ just as much as they do. And these people who are rebelling against Paul think that they belong to Christ because they they have the letters of recommendation from Jerusalem. We know that that is not true. To belong to Christ means that you acknowledge Christ, that you know uh, the historical Christ that has come to this earth as a man and has died for us. Only when you know of this, these things and acknowledge who He is, uh, do you belong to Him. So everything that, uh, that, that, that belongs to God is, is connected with our spirit. So all the important things that matter to us belongs to the, to the spiritual realm and not uh, the physical realm. So even if I boast somewhat freely about the authority to the Lord, uh, the authority the Lord gave us for building you rather than tearing, is it not? Oh, they should consider again that we belong to Christ just as much as they do. And Paul is saying that even if you are to judge me by your own standards, I am more than uh, qualified. To, to be called an apostle in your standards as well. And Paul is saying that the important thing does not lie uh, on appearances, rather it lies internally within us, how our spirit is and how where our faith is. So do not put your focus on what you can do, what you can achieve. If that becomes your, your, uh, your goal, then... Uh, you're focusing on appearances. Paul says in Philippians, it says, though he has obtained, he has not obtained. Though he has arrived, he has not arrived. (laughs) 
and and he's able to do that because he's casting away all his all his goals, all his troubles to the cross every day. So let's look at Philippians very very quickly. Philippians chapter three. Uh, we looked into this text this Sunday. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on toward to. For say, oh, whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. And verse 12 says, "Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that which." Of uh, that for which Christ Jesus took a hold of me, and many people they only pray for one hour because they think they are arrived at their goal after praying for one hour. But those who live by the Spirit do not set a time limit for their for their time of prayer because they they open themselves to the Lord. And the reason why Paul says, even though he has already obtained, he does not, is because he is able to uh, cast everything that he has obtained to the Lord. And that's why it is so important for us to bear the cross of Jesus in our lives. We have to be sensitive towards the Lord and have this close, close fellowship with Him. But why can't we? It's because you have too much stored up within you already. You think you have arrived at your goal. You think you have already obtained. But no, you have to continue to cast away these things and remove it as soon as you obtain it and receive a new goal and the new target that He has set before you. This is the basic fundamentals when it comes to our, 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 our walk with Christ. Many of you do not even realize how, how heavy of a burden you are carrying around. And verse 14 says, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Your, your spirit has to be light. And so that no, no matter what you obtain, no matter where you arrive, uh, it, does not, uh, it, should be not, it should not be stored within your spirit, but rather you have to cast it upon the cross of Jesus and move on. That's why you have to care for your spirit and keep it light. Always maintain the state of your, uh, uh, of, your, of your spirit being light. Do not try to make something. Do not try to know, uh, know more. Because that is what anchors down your spirit. When the Holy Spirit moves, you move as well. That's how you stay spiritually light and agile. After you have preached, Let's say you, you preached very well that day. But do not remain in that place. Do not, do not try to receive the praise of your people, but move on. So what, no matter what kind of ministry you do, whether you did it well or you did, uh, you did not do it too well, it doesn't matter. Just cast it away, cast it to the Lord and move on from there. Do not focus on the results on the reviews. No, just uh, leave it up to the Lord. For a while, I did this as well. I was tormented by the fact that the people were not changing by the words that I was speaking to them. 
but I, I've, I learned my lesson there. And I realized that the Lord wanted me to stay light. Verse 8, so even if I boast somewhat freely about the authority the Lord gave us for burning you up rather than turning you down. So now Paul is saying that he's going to use his authority as, a post, as an apostle to this church. And by using his authority, he means that he's going to expel some people from the church. Paul has the confidence that whenever necessary, the Lord will give him the power and authority that he has blessed to the churches. And he can use that authority against the church as well. And because Paul was able to maintain a relationship where this was possible, where the Lord can always manifest through him. And, and, and that kind of confidence comes from the faith that he had in God and, that, uh, and in the church. And he did not just have the authority to expel people, but he also had the authority to punish people and, and, uh, uh, and give discipline to his disciples. And as leaders, as pastors, you need to have this kind of faith and confidence as well. I knew a pastor before. Uh, I knew a pastor, and, and every morning when he came to early morning service, he would sing a song before his people. And uh, the, the name of that song is Crossing the Jordan River. But the weird thing was that uh, the members of his church kept dying. And later on, uh, the people trembled before him and, and asked him not to sing that song anymore because they were afraid of the authority that came from his proclamation. And because the Lord has uh, bestowed this church to you, he has given you the, the authority and power to, 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 to use uh, for it as well. And in the beginning, uh, beginning of my ministry, uh, the Lord also performed a lot of miracles uh, through me. And that's why a lot of people were afraid of me and feared me because of the authority that the Lord was manifesting through me. So believe that God has given you this authority because of your position and title as the Apostle. Verse 9, I do not want to seem to be trying to find you with my letters. So, Paul is saying that he's not trying to, to threaten you guys. So, first time for some say his letters are weighty and forceful, but in person he's an impressive and, he, and his speaking amounts to nothing. So, he see, Paul, uh, church, the church is saying that he seems bold in, in, in words, but he's timid when he's with us. But Paul is saying that... Uh, he, the reason why he stayed timid is because God has not decided to, 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 to allow him to use this authority against the churches. But now he has, so uh, be careful. Such people should realize that what we are in our letters when we are absent, we will be in our actions when we are present. So, what is this? 
He's saying that his words and his actions are not separated. It is, it is that God has not decided him for him for him to 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 work it, and that's why he stayed timid, timid uh, during his last visitation. But when you live by the flesh, your words and your actions will will be different. And what is the most beautiful image of a being? And that is when your spirit goes before your body and your mind. And it is bad if your actions go before, if your thoughts go before your spirit and your actions. So those who live with, by their thoughts uh, cannot live by the spirit. Always have your spirit going before you. And because that is the state of the new self. Let's pray. For us, the important thing is to, to not be lazy. All we have to do is not be lazy. Why do you think the, uh, the pastor standing before you keeps talking, keeps talking about laziness? Because uh, living according to the promise of God means you're busy, means living a very, very busy life. Responding to the Holy Spirit means you're busy. And that is the duty given to us every day, to live by the Holy Spirit, to obey Him, <coughs> obey His words. But because you have neglected uh, your flesh and let it, let it, let it multiply it, uh, within you, that's why it is so difficult for you to live uh, according to the Spirit. Living by the Spirit is not just prayer. It's not ju- only uh, possible during your time of prayer. Even when you're not in the church, you have to continue to bear the cross of Jesus within your lives, to to focus on Him and maintain. Uh, his presence upon you at all times. And you have to stop uh, receiving information from the world and, and, and being uh, controlled by your thoughts. Especially, you have to stop looking at your cell phones and receiving this kind of influence and being affected by the, the smartphones. In the Bible, it says, Blessed are those who are able to be cleansed by the blood of Jesus every day. And do not continue to let your your thoughts uh, control you, the thoughts of your flesh control you. When you choose to live by the Spirit, like I said before, you will start to see all the desires of Babylon uh, that have been uh, residing within you, which you have been unaware of. And you'll start to realize how much wickedness is still remaining with you. And through repentance and through the blood of Jesus, you can be cleansed and be free of its influence once and for all. And only then can all the functions of, of your spirit be fully uh, restored. So let's pray. I'm going to turn off all the lights and I'm going to give you uh, time to pray as much as you want.
and I'm gonna lay my hands upon you to, to help you in your prayer. Today, we have learned that our fight does not lie in the world, uh, but lies within us. And the important message for today is uh, in verse 5, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets us up, up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought that, to make it obedient to Christ. So today, in the blood of Jesus, you have to cleanse away all information and all data that you have stored within you that comes from the flesh and comes from Babylon. Lord, your beloved servants want to be cleansed today. They want to experience what it means to live by the Spirit. Would you help them to enter into a deep state of, of encountering you? Help them to lead them into the Holy of Holies. Help them to escape the thoughts of Babylon. And would you break and demolish every stronghold uh, that is built within their minds with your blood. Cleanse them, purify them. So that every thought that comes within our mind will be a captive to, to Christ. And give us uh, the, the motivation and the passion to stay busy every day spiritually. Let's pray.